morning to come together, to look into your word, to study it together. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments, as we open your word, that your spirit would be free to speak to us. As we've just been singing, we ask that you would say what you want to say to us, that our hearts would be open, that we would hear, but that we wouldn't just hear it. We'd be willing to do something about it. And often that's the gap for us is we struggle in hearing and then doing. And so I pray that you'd help us with that this morning. Thanks so much for meeting with us here. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. We're so glad that you're here. We've been studying together the book of 1 Timothy, and we're going to continue that study together uh, this morning. Last week, if you were with us, Pastor Mike was talking about uh, mis- misinformation or un- untruth uh, stories, uh, news that isn't truth, false truth. Uh, there, there's all kinds of words for it. Um, and we were talking about the fact that God's word always stays true and finding a source or finding a place that we can go back to that is true, that is the truth. And knowing that we have an anchor, we have a place that we can go back and we can look at the truth. And this morning we're going to continue that conversation. We're going to talk about resisting lies and We're going to talk a little bit about how some of those lies creep into our life. And this passage that we're going to look at in 1 Timothy chapter 4 kind of talks about that, how they show up and how they creep in. At the end of Pastor Mike's uh, sermon last week, he talked a little bit about the creed, the creed of truth. And there's the Apostles' Creed. There's a number of different creeds that we could recite. But I want to grab the creed that we ended with last, last week at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And it's going to come up on the screen here in just a second. And when it does, what I want to do is I want us to read that creed together. This is the end of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And this is from the message, okay? And so what I want to do is I want us to read this together or as close together as we can, okay? You ready for that? Okay, here we go. Ready? Jesus appeared in a human body, was proved right by the Holy Spirit, was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among all kinds of peoples, believed in all over the world, taken up into heavenly glory. One more time, because you guys did a great job, and I could hear some people joining. They're getting their confidence, okay? So are you ready? I'm going to try it one more time. And see, now you've read through it once, so all the words make sense. You ready? Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Jesus appeared in a human body, was proved right by the Holy Spirit, was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among all kinds of peoples, believed in all over the world, Taken up into heavenly glory. That's where we ended last week. That's the creed, right? That's what we believe happened. That's what we believe that Jesus Christ came and lived on this earth. That he came as a little baby. He was, he was God incarnate. He came as a human being to walk out with humanity. So man could, could experience and understand and come to know God a little bit better. Okay? And he lived a perfect life. He went to the cross. He died for our sins on the cross. He rose again the third day. Easter's coming, right? We're going to celebrate that. That he rose again the third day. That his disciples saw him. That's what it says. He was proclaimed by by all kinds of people all over the world. They believe that he is the son of God. That he did what he said he was going to do. That he paid the price for our sins. And ultimately that he sets the standard for truth. 
That's what we're talking about. That he sets the standard for truth and that the word of God, what we just sang, that the word of God that came from him through the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us this, that holy men were moved by God to write the word of God. And they wrote the very words of God on the pages so that we could read them. They're the very truths of God. And he hands them to us to read and to understand. And it gives us a place of absolute truth to start from. It's the beginning point for everything that we know. Now, here's the interesting thing about Scripture. In, in our Bibles, the end of chapter 3, Mike and I were talking about this week. It's a, it's, it's a good thing, but it's a bad thing. At the end of chapter 3, there's a chapter break, and we jump into chapter 4. And for many of us, we stop and we go, oh, change of thought. Okay, And that's not true. The chapters and verses that are found in the Word of God are there for us. They're there so that we can reference the Bible. And, and I can say to you, turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter whatever, and you can flip in your Bible so that you can find it. Otherwise, I would have, you would have to memorize your Bible. And then, and then when I started to say a verse or whatever, you go, oh yeah, that's found on page 1,700. And, right? and so the breaks are there so that we can reference the Bible together. And sometimes it's a sad thing because what happens in our brains is we stop and then we don't put the two thoughts together. Well, these thoughts go together. We finish the creed that tells us who Jesus is and what he did and, and the awesomeness of his, of, his, of, of, of his life here on earth and, and what he did for us on the cross and, and how people saw him and understood who he was. And then we get to chapter 4 and it puts the two thoughts together. It says, remember what the truth is. Know what the truth is. And then he jumps into chapter 4. And let me give you the first two verses. He says this. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith or the truth. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and to the teaching of demons through the hypocrisy of lies. or Liars whose conscience are seared. Wow. He goes from the creed, this is who Jesus is, this is what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about God, to now there's coming a time when there will be those who are false teachers who are going to take the creed, the truth about who Jesus is, and they're going to twist it and they're going to turn it on its head. These thoughts go together. And in Paul writing this, he's saying, hey, alert, alert. Pay attention. There are those, and here's the thing about this. It says this, there are those who know the truth. These aren't people who don't know about the truth. These are people who know the truth. That's what it says. And the word here, he says, and they depart from it. They deviate away from what they know to be true. They make a conscious decision to walk away from what is true. They are teachers of the word of God. They have the word of God in their hand. They have studied the word of God and they decide that they know better than God and they're going to teach it a little different than the way God has it. Whoa, hold it here. That sounds like Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Where Adam and Eve stood before God and said, Now, 
we can be like God or we can be as smart as God or we can be God. It's the same lie. It's the same thing that happens in our human hearts today is we have the very word of truth in our hands. It's something that we have before us. We can read it. We can study it for ourselves. We can know it. We can memorize it. We can hide it in our hearts. And then a life situation comes along that's a little bit tough. It's a little bit hard. Maybe it's a family. It's in the family. And we go, oh, God didn't really mean that. And we just tweak just a little bit. And we depart, we deviate from the truth. And Paul warns and he says this, hey, look, there are false teachers who are coming. And they're going to depart, they're going to deviate from the truth. Now, know this, this is not somebody who makes a mistake. If that's the case, then all of us are included because we all make mistakes. And when we teach, when I teach, when Mike teaches, there are times that we say things and, and we, we make a mistake in how we say it. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about those who know the truth and twist the truth just a little bit. And eventually it becomes pretty huge. How does this happen? Why does this happen? Well, this verse tells us. It says this. It says that these false teachers start paying attention to deceitful spirits. They begin to listen to someone else other than the Spirit of God, than the Word of God. Deceitful spirits begin to speak into their heart and their soul. You say, hold it, hold it. These are people who know the Word of God. These are people who know the truth. How in the world could deceitful spirits speak into their life, into their heart? How could that happen? Well, it happened in Scripture already. You remember back in Matthew when, when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross and, and Peter and some of the disciples were together with Jesus and Jesus says, hey, this is coming and, and I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die. And, and Peter steps up because Peter's the guy with the loud mouth and, and he says, hold it, Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't, you don't have to do this. You're going to be the ruler. And, and Jesus says this to Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. A deceitful thought, a deceitful, a twisted part of truth. And Jesus is saying, yeah, this, this is the plan of God for me. This is what God has in store for me. Don't twist the truth. Well, you say, well, well that, that's one example, Tim, but, but what about, does that keep happening? Well, if you go to the book of Acts, there's, there's, there's two two. Well, it's a couple in the book of Acts who the, the church is growing and, and thousands are getting saved and, and people are sharing what they have and, and lives are being changed and towns are being changed with the truth. And one of the couples, they, they took some land that they had and they sold the land. And they came in before the apostles and, and, and the, I mean the disciples and some of the people that were there and they came through the door and one of them says, hey, here's all the money from the land that we sold. This is Ananias and Sapphira. remember he told a lie it wasn't all the money and and immediately the holy spirit killed him and then the other one came in and said the same thing and the holy spirit what was it satan has what satan has pulled you away has caused you to lie so as believers folks satan has the ability to speak untruths to us 
He has the ability to take the truth that we know and to twist it just a little bit and cause us to believe something that is a lie. As Paul was writing the book of Acts in Acts chapter 20, Paul warns the elders of this same church in Acts chapter 20, and he says, hey, heads up. I want you to know something. I want you to know that in your beginning as a church, as you start out and things are going well and you're making a difference with the gospel of Jesus Christ and lives are being changed and and hearts are being changed for the glory of God, I want you to know something. I want you to know something. Warning. This is Acts chapter 20. He says, false teachers are going to show up in the church. Be prepared. It's coming. Those who are going to be, be deceived by Satan, they're from the church, they're in the church, but they're coming. And they're going to try to draw you away. And these teachers will rise up from inside and they will twist the truth just a little bit and they will pull you away from what God wants. This is why Pastor Mike and I and Tom and whoever's up here teaching, we say to you week after week after week, read the word of God for yourself. Don't take just what we say. Get in the word of God. Know the word of God. Let the word of God seep down into your heart and soul. Understand the word of God. Ask the spirit of God to reveal the truth of the word of God to you. It's so important. It's so important. And and God promises that he will reveal all truth to you as a believer. He promises it. Ask him. Be in the word for yourself. These teachers come to lead people astray. True teachers point people back to Christ and then get out of the way. True teachers say, look, here's God. Here's God the Father. Here's Jesus Christ. Here's the Holy Spirit. You have Jesus. Take him and I'll step back. You see Jesus. Don't see me. That's what a true teacher does. But a false teacher says, hey, here's some truth and you need me to explain it to you. Otherwise, you won't understand. You need to follow me. A false teacher. A false teacher seeks to pull people from the truth to themselves for their benefit. That's what a false teacher does. You might be sitting there saying this morning, Pastor Tim, does that really happen? About 87 years ago, a man stood in front of his country And he made use of common Christian vocabulary. He talked about the blessings of the Almighty. He made Christian confessions of faith. And these Christian confessions of faith would make the pillars of his new government. He told great pious stories to the press. And he had them written and passed out for the churches to read. He held up his tattered Bible in front of all people in his country. And he told them that this is where his strength and his direction came from. And to do his great work, he would turn to the Bible. And the people of his country and the countries that surrounded him would be blessed because of who he was. He was revered and held in high esteem as a man sent from God to lead a country into its new realm and its new age. Adolf Hitler was a master of the outward religious appearance. 
with no inward relationship with God. Leaders blindly followed him, and when they clued into what was really happening, it was too late. And millions of innocent lives were lost. He started out with a picture of what looked good. I believe in the word of God. And led people so far astray. Millions upon millions of lives. Because people blindly followed. You say, Tim... That's an extreme example. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No one took time on the front side to evaluate whether or not what he said was really true. It happens every day. There are those who stand up in front of the church and take the word of God and twist truths of the word of God to say what they want, the way they want, the way they want people to understand. And they lead people down a path that leads to spiritual destruction. And instead of coming to a faith and an understanding of a God who loves them and paid the price for their sin, and offers them an opportunity to spend eternity with their creator, they're led astray. When if they would read the word of God for themselves, they would know the truth. False teachers from within. God's word is so important, folks. So important. The end of verse 2 says that these false teachers will have a conscience that is seared. What that word there means is this, it's cauterized, or, or it means this, that, that the pain receptors have been burnt off. There are those today who live today who have a disease that causes people to be unable to feel pain. They could break a bone, they could cut themselves, they could have blisters or burns on their hands, and they would be unaware of it because the nerve endings have been, they, they don't work, and they can't feel pain. And immediately when I was reading about this, I thought, wow, that'd be cool. I could go through life and not feel pain. No, it's not cool. Because when I don't know that I'm in pain, when I don't know that I hurt myself, I don't stop. When I don't know that I cut myself or that I've done some damage to my body, guess what happens next? Infection creeps in because I don't know I'm hurt. And when infection creeps in, it affects major parts of my body and eventually that infection, infection can kill me. Folks, the same thing hap- happens in our spiritual life. When our conscience gets seared, it gets cut off from the pain receptors of sin, the fact that sin is killing me, it leads to an an affection that eventually will take my life. Let me be a little more practical. What does that look like? Let me give you this example. Maybe for you, I know for me, when someone uses the name of Jesus Christ or the name God, as a catchphrase or in a sentence, it irritates me. It bothers me. It bothers me because he's the creator of this world. 
And I should respect his name. I should respect who he is. And so it bothers me. But you know what happens? If I watch TV for a long time, because today in our culture, God, Jesus Christ are used all the time on the TV. Here, constantly. You watch shows, they're, they're in there all the time. And at first, it will bother you. At first, it's like, man, I hate it when, that, when, the, when they use Jesus Christ, they use the, the name of God in vain. I, I, I hate that. But guess what? The longer you listen to it, pretty soon you don't even notice that they're doing it. Or the longer you hang out with people who that's their vocabulary, that's the way they live life, the next thing you know, you don't even notice that they're saying. It doesn't bother you anymore. And then if it goes far enough, you catch yourself. Something happens and that's what comes out of your mouth or that's what's in your mind. Oh, I start to... And the next thing you know, it becomes part of the way you live. It's because the conscience is seared. We do that in our actions. We do it in what we listen to. We do it with what we read. We do it with the jokes that we will put up with or maybe we'll tell. It starts out, it really bothers me, but eventually my conscience gets seared and I walk farther and farther and farther away from what is right. That's the picture here that he's given. He says this, there are false teachers who know the word, who begin to deviate, they depart. They're going away from the truth. And the farther they go, the more seared their conscience becomes. And one little step becomes two, and then two becomes three. And the next thing, we're a mile away from what God ever had in mind. Teachers tweak just a little at a time. I'm uncomfortable with how God says this, so I'll say it this way. I'm uncomfortable with what God thinks about this, so, so I'll let people think that this is okay. And their conscience is seared. Folks, right actions follow a right heart. A right heart is not created by right actions. You catch that? What's going on internally determines what I do on the outside. That's what's happening here. What I do, where I live internally, determines how I live out my life. You can't fake it for long. So what do these false teachers do to people? Glad you asked. We'll keep moving. Verses three, starting at verse three. They forbid marriage and they demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and they know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. Say, hold it here. Here's what they do. These false teachers, they take something that is very common and they twist it. They twist it just a little bit. Now, here's what it means. It, It in this day and age, when, when Paul was writing this, there were those who came along and said, look, marriage is bad now. You shouldn't get married. God doesn't like marriage. God doesn't want you to be married. Everybody should be abstinent. Every, everybody should be single. Nobody should be married. If you're, if, you're, if you're not married, you can be spiritual. But if you are married, you can't be spiritual. There you go. And the human race dies. I mean, think about it all the way through, okay? This just doesn't make a lot of sense. But anyway, but let's go back to the beginning. Who ordained marriage? Yeah, Genesis. 
In Genesis, God looked at a man who was alone and he said, this isn't good. It is not good for man to be alone. I will create a help me that will complete man. And he made Eve. And then he made a statement and he said, look, when these two come together in a union and are married, what God has put together, let no man tear asunder. Let no man pull apart. And then you go to the New Testament and Jesus reinforces what God did back in Genesis. It's very interesting because every time you see a truth that God starts way back at the beginning, Jesus, he reinforces that truth and he does it in the Gospels. The guys come and they try to say, hey, when can we divorce a wife, our wife? And Jesus says, look, Moses only let you divorce your wife because you guys were sinful. He says, what I want is I want a man and a woman to get married and stay together for life. That's what I want. That's what I created. That's how I wanted it. That's the way it ought to be. And then he goes on in that same passage in the Gospels and he says this, look, there are those, a few among you who could live without being married, but they're only a few. They have a special gift and they use that gift for the glory of God. That's the whole purpose of it. But the rest of you, instead of, instead of being lustful, instead of living a life that's not complete, get married. And these false teachers show up and say, hey, it's bad to be married. They tweak the truth. And then they go the next step and they take food. Guess what? In Genesis, God created food and he came to mankind and he said, here's all the food that you can eat and it is good. I have blessed it. Use it. And then you see Jesus further on in Genesis, I mean, in, in Matthew, in the Gospels, where Jesus comes along and he says, look, you guys are, are, are trying to put heavy loads on people and the food doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you eat. You say, Tim, are you sure that's what it says? Yeah, turn to Mark with me if you would. Let me show you. Mark chapter 7. I want to read a couple verses from Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 14. He's talking about the traditions of the elders. He's talking about people talking about that they love God, but their hearts are far from God. They don't understand what God is really all about. In verse 14, we're jumping into the middle of a conversation, he says, summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand, nothing that goes into a person from the outside can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. He went on into the house away from the crowd and his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it does not go into his heart, but into his, his stomach and is eliminated. Kind of easy to understand, right? What you eat eventually comes out. Okay, thus he declared all foods are clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, and he goes on to list them. Jesus says, hey, God blessed food. Back in Genesis, he gave you food to eat. I'm telling you, it's never changed. It's not what you eat that makes you unclean. It's what's going on in your heart that makes you unclean. I've given you all this for the benefit of your body. 
He taught his people in Deuteronomy. He says, when you get food, when it comes to you, take your food and bless it. Say thank you to God because God was the one who granted you the ability to eat and nourish your body. Say thank you. It's not what you eat that makes you unclean. It's what's going on in your heart that makes you unclean. And these false teachers are taking truths and what they're doing is they're saying, look, I'm going to put a load on you and you've got to keep this this way. And if you keep this this way, you'll be a good person. And God says, no, 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 no. It's your heart that I care about. It's what's going on in your heart that I care about. Why does this matter? Why does what I'm telling you matter today? Maybe it doesn't, right? You say, Tim, you just wasted all this time. No, it does. It matters a lot. It is never what I do that makes me right with God. It is what Jesus has done and is doing in me. It is his work. It's what he's done on the cross for you and for me that makes me right before my heavenly father. And when anyone tells you that it's your work that makes you clean before God, it's a lie. God tells us that when we become Christ followers, then we work to do his will. But it's what Jesus did for you and for me on the cross that brings me into right standing with God. It is only through the work of Jesus Christ, it is only through his death burial, and resurrection that my sins can be forgiven and I am able to have a relationship with the God of all creation, Jehovah. That's the only way. And if anyone tells you any different, they're lying. Because it's not what the Word of God says. Why does what I say or what I've talked to you about this morning matter? It matters for two reasons. Reason number one, get in the word of God and know it for yourself. Find out what God is saying. Know the truth. Look, folks, we live in a country where the word of God is available to you in every avenue you can dream of. If you look at me and say, Tim, I can't read, so I can't listen to it then. Somebody will read it to you. There are hundreds of avenues for you to know the word of God. All you got to do is take the time. That's it. Know the word of God. Know the word of God. Know the word of God. Second, be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful for what God has done for you because every time that I am thankful as a Christ follower, guess where my attention goes? It goes back to God, not to me. I'm reminded that I didn't do any of this, 
that none of this happened because of me. It was all because of the gracious love of God for mankind and for me. It's all because God looked ahead in time and he saw Tim who needed a savior, who was helpless and useless without one. And he loved me so much that he was willing to send his one and only son to pay the price for my sin. Oh yeah, he paid yours, but I care about mine. (laughs) He paid for my sin so that I could have a relationship with him. You can too. He paid for yours. And every time I stop and I say thanks, my eyes go off me, my eyes go off other people, and they're redirected back to the one who really matters, God himself. What are we to do as a church? (laughs) As a church, don't wait for Mike and I to learn. You learn. Learn the word for yourself. And as a church, we're to be the most thankful people in all the world for what God has done for us. (laughs) We are so blessed. We are so fortunate. And all the power of God is in my and at your disposal. We all have it. God promised it to us when the Holy Spirit indwells us. You have it. It's yours. Know the word and be thankful. Will you pray with me as we close this morning? Father, this passage is so true. The day and age we live in, there are those who are teaching from the word of God this morning, right now, who are deviating from the truth. God, help them. Help them to see the truth by your spirit. And then God, put your hand of protection on us. I don't want to be one of those people. I I don't want to a year from now to be one of the people who has deviated from the truth of the word of God. We don't want to be that people. We don't want to be smug about it. We don't want to be proudful. But we simply want your spirit to use us to walk out the truth in our life every day to show people who Jesus is and then step out of the way and let them have a relationship with you. That's what we want. So God, protect us in that and use us. Help us as a church to know the word. Help us to be a group of people who love God and love his word and and know it intimately deep down in our hearts. And then God, help us to be a thankful people who love you. Thanks for what you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. Use us today as we leave this place. In your name we pray, amen.